Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. Thank you so much for listening today. I am your host, pharmacist Eric Christensen. As always, go check out reallifepharmacology.com. We've got a top 200 study guide. Absolutely free, simply an email. It's all it's going to cost you. It's a 31-page PDF, lots of content uh, from my experience as a clinical pharmacist, uh, as well as things that I've seen come up on board exams that I've taken uh, throughout my career in pharmacology classes, uh, as well as board exams as a pharmacist. So uh, definitely a no-brainer to go get that at reallifepharmacology.com. All right, let's get into the drug of the day today. And that is niacin. Uh, brand name of this medication is niaspan. Uh, also, slow niacin, you might see it over the counter. Uh, this is actually uh, considered a B vitamin. It's vitamin B3. So it is a supplement, but there have been uh, prescription products made off of uh, niacin as well. So... What would we ever use this for? Well, first and foremost, in practice, I have seen patients use it as a supplement. Uh, Most commonly used for uh, lowering cholesterol. They've been told they have high cholesterol and they just, you know, grab it over the counter and start taking it. So I have certainly seen that. Um, And historically, uh, when I first started practice 10 plus years ago now, 15 years ago, um, you saw a lot of niacin, and I saw a lot of niaspan, at least where I, I had worked at that time. Um, so it was frequently used uh, prescription for dyslipidemia, and primarily elevations in triglycerides and potentially trying to raise HDL as well. Remember, HDL has been kind of classically referred to as uh, uh, the good cholesterol, so to speak. So how does this medication do that. And honestly, it's not crazy well understood uh, how niacin uh, has its effects on um, lipid metabolism and and dyslipidemia. Uh, But mechanistically, it is converted to nicotinamide, which is then converted to nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide, often referred to as NAD or NADH. And this is a coenzyme that is used in uh, lipid and uh, glycogenolysis. So um, how that exactly affects cholesterol directly in that pathway, again, not well understood, Um, but ultimately it can have a triglyceride lowering effect and an increase in HDL as its two uh, primary uh, mechanisms of action there. So dosing uh, from an over-the-counter supplement standpoint, uh, the most common dosing range that I've seen patients use if they pick it up over-the-counter is 50 to 250 milligrams per day. Uh, Generally, the prescription strength, uh, again, historically when it was used a lot more, it's generally not recommended anymore, um, but it was in the neighborhood usually of uh, 500 to 2 grams for dyslipidemia mat, uh, dyslipidemia management, excuse me there. Uh, there is uh, one kind of unique use, so basically a deficiency in, in niacin or, or nicotinic acid, basically. Uh, pellagra, you might hear it referred to as, 
And this syndrome can cause diarrhea, dermatitis, and uh, uh, psychiatric changes. So if we're looking to you know, replace nicotinic acid, uh, we may dose it in the neighborhood of uh, 150 milligrams to uh, 500 milligrams per day. And if we're using the immediate release, uh, we're typically going to spread out that dosing um, and not take it all at once. And the big reason for that from an adverse drug reaction standpoint is flushing. So this is the kind of the redness, um, warmth feeling uh, typically in the face. Also can cause some itching as well. Uh, this can be relieved or reduced by aspirin or NSAIDs. Um, so that, that can be a nice thing. But again, using niacin there really isn't a great clinical rationale to use it, uh, or at least very seldom is there a good clinical rationale to use it. So you know, why would we use niacin and then potentially have to add on other drugs to help manage the flushing adverse effects? So again, doesn't make a ton of sense there. Uh, the flushing, itching, uh, it is more common with higher dosages. Again, that's why we typically try to spread out the dosing. Um and immediate release tends to, to be worse, as well as obviously higher doses that way. So uh, the slow niacin is often uh, reported where it's basically kind of a controlled release niacin type of thing. Um, it's basically uh, claim to fame is that hopefully you're going to have a lot, a lot less flushing and kind of the itching type reaction because you're not giving a, a big dose at, at once or you're not getting it all at one time there. Other adverse effects that you might see, uh, GI upset. So this is definitely common with niacin. Again, dose dependent, higher the dose you give, uh, immediate release, probably a little bit greater risk as well. Um, it definitely can cause some nausea, vomiting, and, and diarrhea there. So in general, administration-wise, we're going to give this with food or milk if we have to give it. Uh, careful with GI bleed, you know, can be upsetting uh, to the stomach. And there is some potential reports that it may um, increase bleed risk a little bit as well. Okay, not incredibly common, generally not something I worry about to a great extent, uh, but there have been some reports of that. Uh, another rare possibility is hepatotoxicity, generally going to be contributed by other medications in combination with niacin. Um, but I did want to mention that a little bit there. And then there are two things in practice that I really watch out for. So uh, let's say we are using niacin. Again, not used very often for uh, hyperlipidemia anymore. Um, but a lot of patients with elevations in cholesterol, obesity, that type of thing, they may struggle with uh, diabetes and elevations in blood sugar. And niacin is actually reported to cause some mild uh, hyperglycemia. So it can... Uh, or has been shown to raise blood sugars to a certain amount. So that is definitely something I look out for. And um, particularly in my patients, if they're taking it over the counter and, you know, maybe they're taking it, they're saying they're taking it for heart health or somebody told them to take it or whatever, and they don't have a really good reason to be on it, uh, it's generally one that I recommend discontinuing. Okay. Now, there might be rare cases where they need it or whatever, but um, in most cases, if patients, you know, just pick it up, start taking it. Um, I'm generally going to recommend uh, that they probably uh, come off of, of niacin. And 
one of the reasons is it can um, raise some blood sugar a little bit, and that's especially important, obviously, in patients with diabetes. Uh, the other thing I always look out for is if I see a patient with frequent gout flares or elevations in, in uric acid, uh, you know, double-digit uric acid numbers, that type of thing, uh, I'm really careful with niacin, and I generally don't recommend that patients take that. So it can increase uric acid uh, and exacerbate gout flares. So if you see a patient on uh, allopurinol or colchizine or you're seeing frequent use of uh, corticosteroids or NSAIDs for gout flares, uh, definitely take a look at that medication list and make sure uh, that they aren't taking niacin because it can definitely do that. And I have seen that uh, in practice generally years ago and I've seen uh, niacin a little bit more commonly used. All right, let's take a quick break from our sponsor and we'll wrap up with drug interactions. If you're in the market for any pharmacist board certification study material like BCPS, BCACP, BCMTMS, NAPLEX, or the geriatric exam, go check out meded101.com slash store. We've got a great list of resource resources used by thousands of uh, customers over the years. So go check that out if you're a pharmacist. Uh, if you're another healthcare professional taking pharmacology classes, trying to learn a little bit more, uh, let me recommend the Flippin' Pharmacology flashcards on Amazon, uh, as well as the Pharmacology Crossword Puzzle Book. Uh, by MedEd101 on Amazon as well. So two great resources that are definitely going to challenge you uh, and help you learn pharmacology better. So again, please support the sponsor, help this podcast uh, remain free and available for all those to benefit from. All right, well, let's wrap up with drug interactions. First and foremost, uh, I want to talk about that flushing risk. So uh, alcohol, definitely will worsen flushing risk. Uh, I've also seen like PDE5 inhibitors like sildenafil, Viagra's brand name. Um, those type of drugs can worsen that flushing as well. Uh, spicy foods and sometimes dietary intake can impact uh, the flushing symptoms. So uh, those are important things to remember. Also wanted to add on one more issue potentially with alcohol. So if you've got a patient, uh, you know, chronic alcohol opioid or excuse me alcohol use disorder uh, that can increase the risk of liver problems and again those rare reports of niacin may be contributing to that um, that is a, a potential um, interaction that that I would pay attention to a little bit there uh, anticoagulants there's a small theoretical um, risk for uh, bleeding uh, and then they can be uh, nice and can be upsetting to the stomach as well. So uh, there may be a small theoretical risk, increased risk for GI bleeding. Uh, of course, I mentioned the gout medications before. So uh, niacin will directly oppose any gout-lowering therapy. It causes hyperuricemia. So it'll oppose the effects of you know allopurinol and colchizine and uh, probenicid and any drug that, that's used to, to lower uric acid and or uh, manage gout symptoms and flares. Mention the hyperglycemia risk, so your metformins, your sulfonylureas, SGLT2s, GLP1s. Uh, niacin can potentially have a, a modest, slightly raising effect on uh, blood sugar. So that is definitely something to pay attention to if you see a spike um, 
inpatients with their blood sugar and they don't really know what the heck's going on, uh, definitely go check check out that med list. You know, niacin uh, does have a small uh, potential there to increase that. And then last but not least, you know, niacin historically um, has been, been used most often for elevated triglycerides in people with uh, hypercholesterolemia. Uh, statin use in combination with niacin does potentially increase the risk of statin-induced myopathy. So uh, kind of one last thing to, to pay attention to there as drug interactions go. All right, well, I think that wraps up the podcast for today. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this helpful, please do me a huge favor, leave a rating review on iTunes wherever you're listening. Share us with friends and colleagues and other healthcare professionals. Uh, and, of course, support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E. If you want to reach out to me, you can find me, Eric Christensen, PharmD, BCPS, BCGP, on LinkedIn. Shoot me a message there. Feel free. Uh, also, you can email me at mededucation101 at gmail.com. Again, go check out reallifepharmacology.com. Get your free top 200 study guide. No-brainer to have there. 31 pages, uh, simply an email uh, will get you access to that. And we'll also get you updates when we've got new episodes available as well as new content available. Thank you guys so much for listening. Take care and I hope you have a great rest of your day.